The European Network and Information Security Agency has published a new report about mobile application security, highlighting five lines of defense for mobile malware protection. Today we hear from Dr. Giles Hogben, author of the ANISA report, who shares his thoughts about the present and future of mobile security. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Giles, ANISA notes that the increased use and penetration of smartphones were catalysts for the report about mobile application malware. Can you give us some idea about the size of the smartphone market and how much it's expected to grow within Europe as well as globally over the next 24 months? Yeah, sure. Um, basically, hugely. Um, the mobile market is growing faster than any technology has ever grown before, and that's, that's pretty difficult to do. Um, there's now more internet-enabled phones than PCs. Um, just to give you some idea, Google recently announced that they are activating 500,000 Android devices every day. Um, that's pretty amazing, I think. And uh, just you know, I, I collected a few stats together about this. Um, the U in the UK, for example around 35% of mobile devices are now smartphones um, and uh, say around Gartner puts the, the worldwide sales of smartphones in Q2 this year around 100 million devices so it's huge and it's getting huger. <laughs> And as that market grows, you know, the concern about security, of course, grows with it. In the 20-page report that Anissa has put out, um, of course, mobile application malware is the focus. What specific security gaps do you see isolated to mobile apps that are, for instance, separate from mobile browsing risks? Yeah, well, there's, lo there's loads of really specific risks to, to mobile phones um, and, and uh, smartphones in particular. Um, the fir first one I would really highlight is what I call losability. Um, mobiles are really much more uh, easy to lose than a, uh, even than a laptop or a PC. So to just, just give you an idea, something like 100,000 mobile devices were left on London taxis every year, whereas only around 12,000 laptops were left behind. And obviously that in itself is not an information security risk, but if we don't encrypt our data on the mobile device, and it's actually extremely difficult to do disk encryption on a mobile device because you don't generally have like USB sticks so you can put a key on or you're generally restricted to a, a pretty short pin as your last line of defense. Um, so that, that becomes an information security risk as well. Another very interesting area for me is um, various ways in which data can leak out, um, which really has nothing to do with mobile browsing. It's really directly connected to the, the device itself and the apps. Um, just to give you a few examples, um, although you have a sandbox in the device, there's a number of public, what, what I call public APIs, so things that every app can, uh, can have access to. And these are things like uh, the image gallery, the um, accelerometer, and uh, the address book, things like that. And there's attacks you can do um, on, for example, the accelerometer. I saw a really kind of fascinating attack the other day where by, by looking at 
the way the the phone wiggles when when you press a different um, key on the soft keyboard of the phone, you can actually grab people's passwords from the accelerometer data. So that's that's really a kind of app specific attack. Um, and things like you know data can just just leak out through the things like the address book and the gallery. So if I put uh, an image in the gallery, quite often the location data gets appended to the uh, image name, the file name, by default. So certainly that was the case on my device. And if you then upload that image onto Facebook or wherever social network, then your location can leak from your device onto a social network. So there's some interesting kind of dangers lurking there. And uh, there's a lot of apps which are kind of on the, on the borderline between um, say malware and, and just sloppy coding. They're actually collecting much more information than they need to. Instead of using, um, I don't know, a random identifier, they might actually use your device identifier, which is much more identifying than, than uh, a random number. And generally speaking, what we find is that the apps are, are not so good at doing session data and in a, a session management in a secure and privacy in respecting way. Um, we kind of hope that as HTML5 becomes more mainstream, these kind of problems might get better. That's an interesting point because one of the questions that I had actually related to this difference between using mobile applications and actually browsing with the mobile device. And I'd like to go ahead and pose that question now. One of the concerns with mobile apps is basically just surrounding the way they're designed. Mobile applications are basically isolated or siloed within the mobile platform. So one mobile app can't interfere with another mobile app. So antivirus software or an application that might be possible that would provide antivirus software on a mobile device um, isn't really possible at this point because it can't one app can't screen another. It, what, I guess, options do you see for addressing this problem? Can you explain the inherent weakness that this poses and why it's challenging for IT security experts to come up with a new way to scan and test for malicious software? Well, sure. Um, so... That's a really interesting question because uh, you know you do see a lot of AV products out there for for mobile devices, but you know when you look at what they're actually able to do on the device, um, you know they, as you say the the apps are, are siloed and they can't do things like you know intercepting um, system API calls or they're, they're really very limited in terms of what what they can actually do. Um, so, in a sense, I think it, so. Up to now, it's been a it's been a message from, in a way, a message from the vendors saying, you know, leave security to us, and um, uh, you know, we we don't they're not really encouraging the the AV products, and in an environment like that, I think there's really not a lot that can be done by third parties, um, but. I think we're starting to see some pressure, uh, especially from the business market, to allow more uh, more handles from um, for, for for third party management products and and things like uh, AV. So I think that is going to change. Um, also, I think um, what, one of the things that we came up with in our paper is that the App Store review uh, processes they're really kind of swamped with 
with apps. I mean, there's there's apps billions of downloads uh, a year, and the the chance for that that they can actually review every single app is is pretty small. So what they need to be doing really is is actually leveraging the the work that can be done by third-party uh, security testers. And um, some of the some of the platform providers have actually told us that they want to make uh, say bulk download of, of apps possible so that um, security testers can also muscle in there and, and do testing. It's a really interesting point. Thanks for raising that. And then I wanted to ask a little bit about the mobile application specifically. Um, we all know that mobile app store create their own risks, especially if these applications are created for an open source platform such as Android, and you, you've noted Google. Can you tell us about the different levels of security among the different mobile applications that are designed for various mobile platforms? Is there a difference in the level of security, for instance, that's applied to apps designed for Windows versus Apple or Google? Um, yeah, that's a, that's kind of a tricky question for me because, uh, you know, at Anisa we don't want to make commercial judgments. But what I will say is that there are uh, there are these five lines of defense that we identified. So there's review, app review, reputation, kill switches and rec revocation, device security and jails. And each of the different platforms uh, that you mentioned, they kind of emphasize a different uh, line of defense. So for example, uh, Android tends to emphasize the ability and really focus on the ability to uh, revoke applications once uh, a security problem is found, uh, whereas iOS um, actually puts more energy into the review process before they're actually published. Another interesting difference is, uh, you know, some some of the platforms, like I understand that the Windows OS, uh, Windows Phone, Phone 7, it doesn't actually give so much opportunity for, uh, like, say, enter enterprise device management. So they, uh, you know, they all implement these five lines of defense to a, a, um, a greater or lesser degree. And uh, you can see... If you look at the statistics, you know, how that is actually affecting the amount of malware on the devices, the decision about how much effort to put into each of those lines of defense is very much, um, say, a risk-based decision on the part of those platform providers. So it may be that they decide that, you know, putting too much uh, barrier in terms of reviewing apps is, is actually bad for their business model. And therefore, they decide to put more effort into the, say, ex-post uh, security measures. And you can see how that has affected the market in a way. Um, so, and, and you know, thing, things like uh, the uh, BlackBerry system, r r the RIM uh, operating system, they will be putting more effort into the remote device management capabilities, things like remote kill and revocation of, of apps. It's just a different way of looking at it, I guess. Each uh, each platform has their own way of, of handling security, and I guess until yeah. the market's more mature, that's what we yeah, can they've, expect. They've all made different decisions about you know where to draw the line and and how much risk they're willing to to take in a way. Putting the differences aside, I think all of the, all of the app stores have, have these to some degree. And one of the biggest say drawbacks of an app store is that 
you have this review process, which is great, uh, but also when you when you update an app, when you when you put a patch into the app store, that has to be reviewed as well, and that can really slow down the patching process. And I think that's one of the kind of weaknesses in in the in the model. Also, uh, you you have these reputation systems, and um, it can be easy for for some apps to kind of piggyback on the reputation of others. And we saw that recently in some uh, apps which were put into the uh, one of the marketplaces which were made to look very similar to well-known and well-liked apps. And it's quite difficult to spot those apps which are trying to look like uh, existing apps in an automated way. So that, that makes it very difficult to block them at the review process. There's also various ways of, of circumventing the App Store review process things like uh, dropping in code after the app has actually been uh, passed through the review process um, and just generally um, asking for more permissions than you really need and relying on the fact that users really get fed up with with giving permission for things and and also if if, if you um, you know if you allow users to download apps outside of the App Store, which has been happening in some platforms, then you, of course, open them up to, you know, the, the Wild West, in a way. We would point out the dangers that are inherent in, um, say, opening your phone to other um, app stores. So somebody should really know what they're doing if they, if they decide to do that. And what about some of the mobile browsing risks, Giles? Your paper addresses app malware, but could you talk briefly about some of the security concerns that surround browsing? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I focus a little bit on you know browsing on on a smartphone, if you don't mind there, because I mean the mobile brow uh, general browsing risk is just another huge area which uh, I don't think we have time for. So, I mean, a browser on a smartphone is is really just another app. But there are some kind of peculiarities, like, for example, it's much harder to give, you know, warnings and, and when you're dealing with something like uh, security certificates, you know, it's already hard enough in a normal browser to give the user the right kind of warnings about SSL certificates. And on a smartphone, it gets even harder, and so it's it's kind of easier to get by those security measures. You know, we, we've been looking at HTML5 and, and the standards around that, and they start giving the browser access to the sensors on the device, things like the GPS data. So once the browser starts getting access to the GPS or, or accelerometer, then you have a whole load of new issues which come up. No, not least of which you then have two completely separate permission systems. You've got the, the device OS permissions and the kind of HTML5 uh, layer of permissions. And there may be conflicts between those permissions. And another interesting area is fingerprinting. If, if you look at the, the headers of, a, of coming from a browser to, say, identify people to a certain degree based on what kind of browser they are, and smartphone browsers tend to be quite particular in, in the kind of headers that they transmit. So it may, may be more uh, easy to, to identify somebody from the browser fingerprint. On, in general, actually, mobile browsers, in a way, have, have some advantages in that they are running in a pretty well-designed uh, sandbox. It, it's not all bad news.
Which is good to hear because we do, do hear about so many risks surrounding mobile browsing. But before we close, Giles, what final or general thoughts would you like to leave our audience with just regarding the state of mobile security generally? Uh, sure. Um, well, I mean, basically, you know, don't panic because uh, mobile security is actually still way much better than uh, – you know, other areas of security. If you look at the number of malware samples, it's something like around uh, around a thousand times less than the, the number of samples which are there on PCs. We have, in a way, learned a lot of lessons from the last 10 years uh, on, on the web. We have a head start. So in a way, a lot of the work that we've been trying to do in ENISA is to identify what are the opportunities we have based on that um, head start we have in terms of security. And how can we really optimize them to make sure that we keep that head start? Another interesting thought I would like to share is, you know, what is going to happen if HTML5 becomes the uh, the standard that's used for for apps? And that is one quite possible scenario. You know, will there be conflicts between uh, the HTML5 security model and the App Store uh, security model? And I think that's a very interesting. Uh, trend to to watch out for. Giles, I want to thank you again for your time today. Thank you. Again, we've just heard from Dr. Giles Hogman of Anisa. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.